On today's episode of Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand, I got the honor of talking to Chris Mead from CrossNet. Uh, him and I have been connected for a long time on LinkedIn, and it's really cool to actually get the chance to chat with him. So he created uh, this amazing brand called CrossNet, and it essentially takes Foursquare and volleyball and puts them together and they have been exploding absolutely exploding uh, we talk about how they bootstrapped this company i mean they're you know turning into quite the company now and, and we talked about how they bootstrapped it they're not giving up any equity and we talked about some really creative ways that they're doing their marketing and that they're trying to figure out attribution all of that really an amazing conversation that you guys will not want to miss At Mindful Marketing, we know that you want your brand to be successful. In order to do that, though, you need to predictably acquire new customers. The problem is Facebook and Google are only getting more expensive, which makes you feel unsure of whether your brand will survive. We believe that building a community of loyal and repeat customers is the answer. We understand how hard it is to predictably grow a brand, which is why we have created a system using our own mid-seven-figure e-commerce brand as a test case. And here's how we do it. Number one, we execute a profitable ads strategy. Number two, we build a brand-owned loyal base of repeat customers. And number three, we grow exponentially predictably and consistently so download our free sales launch checklist at mindfulmarketing.co slash slc so you can stop having sales that bomb and instead grow your revenue predictably and exponentially all right i am here with chris mead from crossnet chris welcome to secrets to scaling your e-commerce brand thanks for having me on man i appreciate it yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, we were talking before we started. Uh, you and I interact quite a bit uh, on LinkedIn. I see your stuff. I, th I think you see my stuff. It's like we're friends already, man. Like, yep. do we even need to have this discussion? Like, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> yeah, dude. LinkedIn's powerful, dude. Like, it's just been so good lately, just connecting with so many people. Uh, and it really does grow the brand. So glad we it does from there. It does huge brand play, right? When the founder is active on LinkedIn, I honestly can't say enough about that. Chris, for those people who live under a rock and aren't following you on LinkedIn, tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we got to know about CrossNet. What the heck is it? Of course, yeah. So I'm Chris. I'm 28. Chris Mead, the founder of CrossNet, co-founder, uh, chief marketing officer, do a little bit of everything, but uh, we've invented the world's first four-way volleyball game. So it's exactly what it sounds like. It's two volleyball nets that intersect four square with volleyball rules, game to 11, win by two. Don't have to be a volleyball player. I never was, but it's fun to spike the ball in your friend's face. So it's a, it's a great beach game, great outdoor yard game, and uh, quickly becoming the number one fastest growing outdoor sport in the world right now. So uh, Wow. And was yeah. this your guy? Like, did you come up with this sport or did you license it from somebody or, no. or how, how did this work? We were sitting on a couch one night and uh, our boy, Mike, uh, one of our co-founders was like, yo, four-way volleyball. Like, how does that not exist? <laughs> and uh, we Googled it. Were there like, were there some beverages or or other things involved first before you came up with this? Yeah, we, it was just one of those late <laughs> nights, like we were just like reminiscing, right? And we hit a quick Google search and nobody had done it. And we're like, why not us? So uh, we got two badminton nets from Walmart the next day. We rigged them up on like the side of my mom's house and we said, yo, everyone come over and play. So we made yeah. up some rules. Like obviously the rules have been more fine tuned as time went on, but it was a blast. So that was CrossNet in a nutshell. And then we just started manufacturing it. 
That is crazy. I have never had, we've never had somebody on this podcast before who's just kind of invented their own game. So yeah. this is awesome. How did you know it was going, like people were going to want to play it? Cause you, like my kids make up games all the time and I'm like, this is the worst game ever. <laughs> I, especially when it's like, it starts out as this beautiful game. Like, Hey, we're going to do this thing. There's like two rules. Right. And then my oldest daughter just makes up like 50 rules to these games. And I'm like, no, it's not fun anymore. As soon as you make up all these rules, there's no more fun to it. How did you know like that you just nailed it because people love to over engineer things right how did you know you'd nailed it I mean dude like we played for hours on end the first time we ever played like and we weren't playing because we were trying to build a business right like it was like oh this is this eight figure business we're on to it was like no this is just fun like we're just out in our backyard and we feel like we're little kids again we were all like stressed out about our our shitty jobs that we're at or like our relationships or whatever was going on in the world. And this was an escape, even if it was for an hour or two hours, like it was fun. So we're like, why wouldn't every other kid in America want to do this? Okay. So how did you go about, I, like, I kind of want to know the whole story here. So like, how did you go about product development at that point? Did you just like look and find like whoever was doing volleyball nets and be like, Hey, we want to do double that. <laughs> like how did that yeah. work? So fortunately for us, like our, our one of our co-founders is an engineer. So that helps, right? So cool. he grew up the whole product in like AutoCAD or whatever software he uses. We found uh, distributors like manufacturers of volleyball nets, like you said, on Alibaba, AliExpress, one of those websites. Yeah. And we sent him a note. We were like, yo, we're three kids from Connecticut. We have five grand to our name. Like promise this is going to be worth it one day. We can't put a PO in for a thousand units, but are you willing to work with us on this cool idea? So we sent over. Uh, sent and over they the said product. yes. Yeah, we eventually uh, we found one that said yes. So found one that had, <laughs> and that would like take like good payment terms and and all of that. Yeah, I mean they're good enough. We had to pay before we lost the before they shipped the units, so it wasn't like okay the most ideal compared to what we have now. But yeah, I mean they they kind of charged us a king's ransom at first, but they made the units. We got them shipped to to uh, Connecticut where we were, and they worked. They were functional. So we'd go to the beach and we would just go play, and people would be like, "What the hell is this? Let me play!" And we'd shoot content on our phones and. And run yeah. ads at night. <laughs> That's so great. So this started as like a Facebook ad play. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. So back in 2017, I, I guess there was those gurus back then, right? But like we weren't too knowledgeable about Facebook ads. We were all working full-time jobs or we weren't like too knowledgeable about e-commerce overall. So yeah. we're like, all right, let's build a brand. Let's throw some Facebook ad dollars on it and see if it worked. And it did. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. let's talk from there. Did uh, sorry, I know the answer to this question, but did you guys go and raise funds then? Is, is that how it worked? No, we, we didn't raise a dollar. Uh, we literally sold a hundred units. Okay. We, as soon as we were about to like get halfway through, we take all that money and we'd rebuy 200 units. And okay. We'd buy 500 units. So we just kept scaling. Like, scaling. Literally bootstrapping. Like that's exactly, like that literally, is literally actually bootstrapping. bootstrapping. Yeah. Uh, we didn't take a dollar and we didn't pay ourselves for 18 months and we just kept grinding and we'd like work on Upwork. I was making people's Shopify websites. Like there's some shitty shop websites out there but they got i got paid for them and <laughs> oh uh, those, is that a chris mead that you're uh, sporting there <laughs> yeah so uh yeah dude we, we didn't pay ourselves for 18 months we would just take every dollar in the business and just buy more inventory and now wow. we're buying like forty thousand at a time to like fulfill these walmart orders crazy okay 
Nuts. It said Walmart. Let's talk about, because this is Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. People know I love retail. I absolutely love retail. We're, we're doing a couple acquisitions right now and I'm looking at one of them. They're in about 500 stores right now. So not massive. I love it. Uh, to me, that's just stability. I freaking mm-hmm. love being in retail alongside of e-com. Tell me about that process for you guys. Cause yeah. you started as a direct consumer brand. Why'd you go into Walmart? Yeah, we did start as a DTC brand, but uh, I mean, for a sporting good product like ours, my dream was always to walk into a Walmart or a Target or Dick's or whatever. And our game should be there, right? Like I don't care yeah. what the mantra is the these days of like, oh, D2C, own your audience. Like that's cool and still very important to me. But I, the best thing I do is um, my girlfriend and I like, we go to Target and we do loops in Target for half an hour, right? That's how we get out of the house. So why would I not want my product there? So it was totally, it's a marketing channel. It's a massive marketing channel to like, who doesn't go into a Walmart exactly or a Target? Like between those two, right? Like, I mean, I'm I'm in Canada. We don't have Targets anymore. It didn't work here, but uh, we do have Walmarts. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, even Canadian Tire, like hopefully we'll be in there soon, which will be cool. Oh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm going to bring like all my friends over. I'll be like, I interviewed the owner of this game. (laughs) Stay tuned for that. But yeah, so we uh, honestly just reached out to a smaller store, right? And kind of used, they were called Shields. Really, really good partner of ours with good payment terms. Thank God for the help us get off the ground. Had we started with a Walmart, probably would have been screwed because their payment terms are terrible, right? Like I imagine they're difficult probably to work with, eh? especially when uh, you're bootstrapped, right? So you need a lot of cash in the bank and you need a lot of inventory and you can't rely on just their PO. But uh, yeah, I I reached out simply through LinkedIn. That's how that network became so big was I added- To to the Walmart buyer? Mm -hmm. No freaking way. Okay, talk talk me through that. How how did you do that? You just- as soon as, Walmart. I, as soon as I started the company, right? The first thing I did was I added every buyer and every marketer at all of these big, big box stores that I dreamed of being in. I knew in okay. 2017, I wasn't ready for them, even though I was naive and thought I was, right? Like if Walmart sent me a PO in 2017, I would have said, sure, we'll try to make it work. Yeah. Seeing the size of the POs now, there's, it wouldn't. Oh, I can't even imagine. It wouldn't yeah. have been possible. I would own 1% of my own company and somebody else would own 99% of it. Yeah. So anyways, so yeah, so I reached out to all the buyers. I, I added them on LinkedIn and I've been posting every day now for almost three years straight. And that's why yeah. the, the following has gotten so big on there. But eventually they look at my post or their marketing friend that sits across the hall likes my post and it's in their newsfeed. So we've had like Dick's Sporting Goods. I always tell the story. They came in inbound on a chat bot on my website. No way. From Dick's, I got an order for you. And I wrote back like, are you kidding me? And then- uh, How how big is Dick's? Because we, we don't have Dick's in Canada. Dick's is, I believe they have well over a thousand. Wow. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. So yeah. uh, uh, numbers, it's funny, you know, being in Canada comparatively, like we at our, one of our clothing brands, we got reached out to the other day from somebody who had 600 stores and we were talking to them and we're like, ah, we, we just can't do it. We manufacture everything in Canada. We're like, we just can't, can't fulfill yeah. this in the States. I feel like 600 stores. That's like, there's probably chains in California that have 600 stores, you know, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So it's been cool adding them. And and the hardest thing now for me is like, how do we increase sell through at each of the stores? Because we're still a direct to consumer brand, right? Like we're always going to go brand, brand, brand first because of the margin on our website. But when we're getting purchase orders from all these other companies, it's like, how do we make sure the units in that specific Walmart actually move? Because how do you do it? We're not going to get a reorder. So yeah. it's tough. It, it's super tough. I mean, and I don't have a, a golden answer. And that's what I'm struggling with as a marketer now is like, how do I pick and choose lift in each city and state, which is something I'm learning. But what we're doing is driving targeted paid ads in those cities and then doing other types of marketing. So for example, right, there'll be, let's just say 
Ohio, right? We're in a store in Ohio and some random yeah. city. We'll drive Facebook ads directly in that geo. And then yeah. we'll do a similar test with another store and do out of home placement or a podcast or a radio ad. And we'll see what one like actually drives more lift and we'll get gotcha. sales every week. Gotcha. Okay. And then you get the sales data back from the stores. Yep. Once a week. Wow. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Hey, like I feel like a lot of marketing, especially with, you know, the iOS 14 Facebook ad apocalypse or whatever. It's like people really now have to think back to, you know, before any of us did marketing. And that's all that they could do, right? It was like dollars in, dollars out. That's how you measure. You try and figure out like resonance. We we can still know a billion things more than they could know before. But now we just have to be smarter and not just like data driven, right? It's like people driven. Right. <laughs> Crazy. I have this huge spreadsheet now. It's called our Mer document. And it's like literally dollars in, dollars out. We get an updated report once a week because that's when the set like the retail stores sell their sell through. Yeah. We blend it and we say, how did we do for the week? We screwed up. Like we fixed our shit. If we did good, we doubled down. Yeah. Yeah. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So I can imagine you're probably not using a ton of in-platform reporting then, hey? No, not much. We use an EDI integration called SBS Commerce, which is where you get all your orders. They have the data in there for the stores. And then mostly it's just Facebook ad spend, Google ad spend, throw it into the doc and that's how we do it. Are you guys using YouTube for some of that more like awareness-based stuff? Oh, so we tried. We've tried YouTube with several companies to to run ads on and ads were just not profitable. We're talking like $900 CPAs on $150 product like it was not good so maybe one day what we've decided to do instead is like take that budget and actually give it to volleyball players and athletes who have a following on youtube cool cool it just made a little bit more sense for us. Oh, totally. And we'd rather pay somebody $900 to post a YouTube video, right? Of, of your product than spending 900 bucks on paid impressions, 100%. Exactly. People just trust that so much more than, than ads. Let's talk about that. How have you done as far as influencer marketing is concerned? So in the beginning, in the early days, like I always tell people, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And I personally never looked at influencers as I give you a hundred bucks to post. Are you going to make my hundred dollars back? Because I very much don't believe that the majority of influencers are going to ca- like carry their weight, right? I give totally. Somebody, I'm with you. Yeah. There's, there's really the ROI days of influencers are dead in my opinion. So yeah. the way I look at it is if I give you a hundred dollars, are you going to create a piece of content that my ad team can then go run ads on that will bring that ROI on that hundred. So that's a great, I love thinking about it like that. Chris, that's such a good idea. Doesn't mean if I give you, let's pretend you're a video company, right? Like you're a production house, you're going to cost $500 to make the video or $1,000. So instead of giving it to some random production house, let me go give it to a pro volleyball player or a pro influencer and say, hey, do you shoot shoot content? I get their brand image and likeness and we get a high quality thing and it's it's a win-win, you know? Can you whitelist their profiles too? Are you asking for that? Yeah, we are. Some of, we just started doing that full transparency. So actually one of the ads went live this morning with a Canadian volleyball player named Sam Pedlo, uh, very okay. famous. Like Canadian. So look for those ads soon. But yeah, that, that's definitely the next uh, step. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Whitelisting is just so powerful. We've actually talked about it on this podcast. Wish that I was one of those podcast hosts who knew my episode numbers, but I just, I've only got so much room in my brain. So I don't know the episode number, but guys, if you just want to search whitelisting, um, go back and we talk exactly all about how to do it. Um, we actually call it SPA marketing. It was just a fun little thing we came up with. So cool. I'm compelled to do an ad read right now. Uh, in the middle here. So today's episode is brought to you by Mindful Marketing. We use ads to get you off using ads. Most e-commerce brands rely heavily on Facebook, Google, TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest. Uh, for the majority of their revenue, we use paid ads to build you a community of loyal and repeat customers that will exist long after Facebook and Google. 
Chris, I'm going to ask you the question I ask everybody on this podcast. I feel like I'm getting more natural at the ad reads. What do you think, Chris? Like, yeah, pretty solid. At first, I was giving massive disclaimers, telling everyone to skip. <laughs> I'm just trying to get natural at this here, so... I like it. <laughs> uh, we've actually got a bunch of trades back and forth with other podcasts and stuff. So yeah, this is our bring this in. Anyway, enough about that. The question I ask everybody, what is your secret to scaling? Treat every dollar like it's your dollar. Like it's coming from your own personal bank account. I feel like so many people just end up thinking, oh, it's the company's money. We'll just risk it here. When you start getting in that mindset, you're going to make a yeah. lot of mistakes. I would love to see the difference between, and maybe this is a question one of us can pose on LinkedIn as well. The difference in success between VC-backed companies and bootstrapped companies. Because we've only ever run bootstrapped companies. I have no clue what it's like to just, somebody just give me like a hundred grand or a million dollars. I can't even imagine. Like oh. it's always been my money. Exactly. Like, no, it's crazy. Like I saw another VC come in and I find out they're like $9 million in debt. It's like, like <laughs> you know how long it's going to take the work to get out of $9 million of debt as an e-commerce business? That's years. If you even like begin to become profitable, it's just like, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And there's such a curve, right? Between that, like what we see a lot of the time is that zero to 1 million is a tough, that's a tough slog, right? To make it into that level. And then there's that one to five, right? Where that now you're having massive cash crunches, right? Especially like for you guys, when you get big orders from Walmart, but like my advice, and I try to not give too much advice on this podcast, but like, don't take money if you don't have to just try and get, do everything you can throughout those cash crunches to keep your equity. It's going to be worth it in the long run. Yeah, I completely, I mean, testament, right? 10 million plus company and we haven't given a dollar away. Awesome. Awesome. I love to hear that. Uh, Chris, let's move on to our lightning round here. All right. What is your favorite tool or app that you're using right now? I mean, Slack's amazing, right? Slack's kind of changed the game. So I love Slack. I'm still bullish on notes. I love Google. Oh, no what's it called? Notion. Notion's fire. We use Notion for all of our internal communication and collaboration. Oh, what? Uh, sorry. So Notion's dip like a different kind of platform than Slack. What? Like, yeah, what so do you mean Slack's by that? Slack's like I chat. Notion yeah. is like how we plan out all of our marketing, like all of our content, all of our creation. We put it through like a, a funnel. So. Oh, okay, okay, nice. Really good. Yeah, Notion's amazing. Like so, like Notion's more of like a project management project software. Management. Exactly. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh, that's great. We'll look into Notion after. We'll make sure to link that as well. Uh, favorite podcast or audiobook that you're listening. Geez, I did love the Robinhood podcast until this morning, I guess, right? All the Robinhood stuff that came out. Have you seen that? Yeah, what happened? I honestly I haven't had time, but I saw somebody <laughs> we, post like RIP Robinhood. Oh, we could talk for hours, but Robinhood has been officially canceled big time. So I did love the Robinhood snacks. We never had them in Canada. So okay. I always tried, but we, uh, we, we didn't I have access. The, I, I learned so much about investing over the last year from the Robinhood Snacks podcast. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I get their um their emails every morning. Love yeah, them. They're great. So that has been my podcast. I feel like I'll get canceled if I say I like it after tomorrow. But uh, that and uh, Joe Rogan, I absolutely love Rogan. Like there's nobody I could sit there and watch talk to another human for three hours and still be interested. Sometimes I blink watching Joe Rogan or listening to Joe Rogan and I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? Like, yeah. like going on road trips or something. It's just like, we just listened to one episode and we're here already. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Uh, I love listening to podcasts at 1.5. It's just like, I think it's like the amount that I speak. I normally speak in 1.5 anyway and think in 1.5. And my wife, it's always in one. I'm like, this is so slow. I can't <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> That's a little aside. <laughs> okay, last question for you. If you could sit down with anyone who's alive right now, have some beer, wine, coffee, tea, who would it be? 
fun, man. I mean, there's nobody else. I, I love Elon. I mean, I'm sure everybody else has the same answer, but that dude is incredible. Yeah, we oh yeah, we've we've had some Elons for sure. I mean, like it's for a reason, right? Like <laughs> you get to pick the best person that you want to have a conversation with. Yeah, so probably Elon. Elon or Mark Cuban, either or. Awesome. Do you have any closing words for us here, Chris? There's really no secrets to scaling. You got to figure this shit out for yourself, but treat every dollar like a two dollar. And honestly, doesn't matter where you come from, your background, your parents, trust fund baby, like you could do it. Like it doesn't matter about where yeah. you came from. So just keep grinding. I got one more question for you before, cause I was quickly scrolling LinkedIn uh, before this podcast. What, what were you talking about with the Super Bowl? Oh. What, what was that? <laughs> so the Super Bowl is in two weeks or less than yeah. two weeks. They always have those beautiful like aerial shots of like the stadium. Yeah. It would look pretty amazing if there's a bunch of crosshats set up outside the stadium for tailgating. So we're going to try to try to figure out a way to make it work. Sweet. So you're just yeah. going to like try and get like a mob of people out there tailgating playing. Pretty, I mean, there's going to be a mob of tail, tailgaters, right? Like that's going to happen regardless. If you pay a hundred thousand dollars to go to the Super Bowl, there's going to be tailgating. So yeah. how do we get cross nets into those people's hands? Oh, I love that idea. That is yeah. so great. You could totally get some like amazing free PR from that. Oh, absolutely. So that's the goal. What I'm taking away from this podcast too, is just, just think differently. I know it's like so cliche, but just like, there's so many different ways that you can look at the diamond, right? Like there's just like, you don't have to look at it the way that you're already looking at it right now. Yeah. To me, that's amazing. Where can people find out more about you and connect with you? LinkedIn, definitely Chris Mead. Uh, just got my Twitter back after a year. So that was cool. So I had me on Twitter. Oh, you got uh, you got canceled on Twitter? I got canceled on Twitter. I logged. I forgot my password. True story. I forgot my password. I kept asking for the verification text to come to my phone. It never came. The text never came. It then said I tried way too many times. So they blocked my account. But then I found out that I blocked Twitter's number, their short code. So I wasn't oh, getting no. the text because I blocked Twitter because they were spamming me in the past. So I oh, no. my own account. Anyways. Finally got my account, finally got a new account. So I'm starting from scratch. <laughs> well, at least you got a good following on LinkedIn. Yeah, uh, Chris, exactly. thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Stay in touch. Hey guys, we hope you really enjoyed today's episode. Can we ask you a favor? Hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode and share this with your e-commerce store owner friends. We also love reviews. So if you could leave us one on Apple Podcasts, that would mean so much to us. Just a reminder from the beginning of the episode, our team at Mindful Marketing is rapidly growing and we have room for one new brand a month that's looking to grow. Now, before you apply, please note that we're only looking for businesses that are ready to scale and have the capacity and the inventory for a large influx of orders. This opportunity is only available to brands that have had at least one year of sales history and are ready for explosive growth. If this sounds like you, go to mindfulmarketing.co slash apply and start the process today. I hope you guys have a great week.